0: This is a really Glory
1: to God. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah.
0: I made mean, a lot of cool stuff with it. I
1: hope you don't get arrested. For- good to see all <laughs> you guys. I all the laws. Good to, good to be here you. with
0: everyone. What do y'all <laughs> wanna talk about?
2: I too. I said, <laughs> well, I loved your post this morning. <laughs> I <laughs> do too. Should we read it? <laughs> yes. As we just sit in the presence of God and hear his heart, We will find his life impacting our hearts apart from our knowing it and apart from our contribution. The end goal isn't that you can figure this gospel out with your intellect. And since we're going to be talking about prayer today, I kind of took liberty and took that, this paragraph, and inserted the word prayer because you can certainly do that. The end goal isn't that you can figure this gospel or prayer like we're going to be talking about out with your intellect. The end goal is fellowship and intimacy with God as your Father, where you can just share your hearts with one another. The awesome thing is is as we just share our hearts with God, something dynamic and beautiful is happening in that he is giving birth to himself in us. The most powerful thing you can do is to cry out, Father, I don't know how to have this life or how to figure this stuff out. I don't know how to make sense of it all. All I know is that you are the giver of life, and I need your life. Into your hands I commit my life. Let your prayer to God be that you may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, in order that your heart can be made conformable to the death you died with Christ on the the cross. And let your heart and mind go to rest in his faithfulness to give birth to this truth in you. So some people would never suppose that
0: I could write something like that because they think I'm just into theology. But I don't think I don't think people understand what I'm after when I'm into theology and what theology is actually doing. It's painting a picture of that God so you can interact Mm -hmm. with him and he can give birth of himself, give birth to himself inside of you. Right. And that's really all theology is only worth so much as it paints a picture of God Mm -hmm. and God's heart to the degree you see him clearly and you get caught up in like a dance with him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything I said in there that sounds so relational comes from all the theology I talk about. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think some yes. people get lost in why are we talking about this? <laughs> I don't want to hear any more verses. Can we just talk about this or talk about that? Right. It's impossible to have that without the talking of what's in the scriptures Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and even what that says there the the part about knowing god as father Mm -hmm. there's so much in that phrase that's encapsulated in all the scriptures that you could bring it all together knowing like we have the verse Mm -hmm. that says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength
3: right
0: how do you suppose you get that right
3: you can't in your own strength
0: Absolutely no way. What is it even that we think that looks like? Right? Because we all sit with it. Like none of you are wondering. Every one of you has a thought of what that means or have grown up with the thought about what it means. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength.
1: Good luck with that.
0: Yeah, that's that's how I felt when I first got into grace. Good luck with that because I still had this idea that loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength equaled what you're going to do for God. That I need to now do what's right in the world, or I need to be a living sacrifice in the carnal mind's view, which means I got to not do the things I enjoy and go find some ministry to perform for the Lord. And if I can do that, then I'll be loving God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. If I can be a good little boy and not do anything bad. Deny yourself and pick up their cross. Yeah, I mean, Another another carnal view of that. All those things are simplistically beautiful. Right? And the simplest way you could say what it looks like to love your God, with, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The simplest way to say that is looking at Jesus on the cross when his hands were nailed to a tree. What did he do? Father, into your hands I commit my life. He was loving God with all his heart, with all his soul, and all his strength. That that's what it looks like. Right? And, he, and if you talk to a, a, a good little Jewish boy or girl, and they've been brought up in uh, Judaism, and the law, they'll tell you that a good little Jewish person, should they be passing away, what they'll try to utter out of their mouth is, I have one God, the Lord my God, I have no other gods. And they would equate that to the prayer of salvation, which is Jesus, into your hands I commit my life. Which is, he had one God, the Lord his God. He had no other gods. Right? He didn't try to clothe himself. He didn't try to come off the cross himself. Which is what it goes on to say. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then it goes on to explain that in Deuteronomy where it says, You shall have no other gods. And what does that mean? You shall not look to the works of your own hands to try to gather life to yourself or clothe upon yourself with life. But in the day you find yourself needing life, in the day you find yourself needing comfort, in the day you find yourself needing to be clothed upon, in the day you ne- you find yourself needing to be fed with life, you shall call upon the name of the Lord. <laughs> right? So it's got nothing to do with what you can do for God. It's got nothing to do with you performing some ministry for God. You might perform some ministry. There's nothing wrong with performing a ministry. And in fact, when you get a revelation that God is your Father, you'll find yourself so set free from caring about your own life, from taking thought of your own life, you'll actually find yourself serving others. Mm-hmm. And you won't feel like you're serving others. Someone might come and say to you, you're serving others, and you'll be like the people that Jesus talks about when he says that uh, those that clothed him, that fed. Mm-hmm. when did we clothe and feed you, Lord? You might find yourself serving people. Other people might describe it as you serving people. But when they confront you with that thought, you'll be like, what are you talking about? Who am I serving, mm. right? Rather it's me that's been served.
3: Mm. I'm glad you read that. I read that this morning because yeah. I checked my e- email and all of mm. And uh, I rarely comment on Facebook, but in that one I immediately said amen and shared it. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a flashback to 1993, where <clears throat> in a nutshell, I basically said, God, I need you and I want you. Mm-hmm. Some people will say, Will admit yeah i need god but they don't want him. Mm-hmm. right yeah you know, they want yeah which was me up to that point i knew i needed god mm-hmm. anybody who's made of the air of the existence of god i think is going to realize you you can't do it but wanting him out of in my experience process of elimination my ways don't work
1: mm-hmm.
3: that that was the moment i think that was describing for me in that passage and that's why it resonated with me
1: mm-hmm.
3: it was, yeah. it, it's not about uh, how many verses you can memorize <laughs> I mean you can get a parrot to say Jesus is Lord yeah. a parrot doesn't
0: know what that means right. Right. we got a whole lot of parrots in the body of Christ <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: we needed him and we, we didn't necessarily want him because of the wrong ideas we had about him. now
0: because we know I love what the Pharisees say to Jesus what is the great commandment in the law
1: mm-hmm.
0: the book of the law yeah. and they're talking about Deuteronomy right and yeah. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and all your strength and the next is like unto it right you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself mm-hmm. the interesting thing about a commandment isn't something you perform it's something that is brought forth in you yes and so when they come and ask Jesus about what is the greatest of the commandments, Jesus is thinking, what's the purpose that the commandment is there for? What is it designed to bring forth in people? The words of the law were designed to bring something forth in people where they saw God was their father. And because they saw God was their father, they didn't look to the works of their own hands to gather life unto themselves, but they committed their desire for life into the hands of the father. And as you commit your desire for life into the hands of the Father, do you know what also comes forth out of you? You love your neighbor as you love yourself. There was Jesus on the cross. He read the words of the law. And he says, I see the point of the words of the law is that it will bring something forth in you where you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And what that looks like is you having no other gods. That looks like you not trying to gather life to yourself. You not trying to preserve your own life, but you committing your life into the hands of God. And he says, I see that when the law produces that in someone, it will be as unto them loving their neighbor as themselves. Well, who is your neighbor? It's not the guy next to you that you like. It's not the person next to you that's been kind to you all your life. Because the, the lawyer, well, who is my neighbor then? Jesus goes into the Samaritan. The Samaritan is the sworn enemy of the Jewish people. They hate each other. I mean, the moment the Samaritans rejected Jesus... What did John, the the apostle of love, what did he want to do? Lord, shall we call down fire upon them, that they be consumed? What did Jesus say? You don't know what spirit you're up. Right? And so who did Jesus find himself loving when he was nailed to a cross? His friend or his enemy? His enemy. The people that set themselves up to destroy his life. He found himself loving them. How did he find himself loving them? It wasn't because he's uh, good in the sense that we describe good, a person that uses their own ability to now do what's right. Jesus even said there's one who's good, even God. Don't come and call me good, master, because every good thing you see coming out of me is on account of the Father having given birth to himself in me, in me just looking unto him instead of looking to my own hand. So don't confuse the good that's come out of me as if it's come forth from my own hand. Right. And so Jesus knew the words of the law. The words of the law convinced him or persuaded him that God was the father that he needed, that God would father his life in him. And so he didn't live in this world trying to father his own life. He lived in this world knowing God was with him to father his life. That gave birth to something in him where he didn't take thought of his own life when he encountered people, but rather he took thought of their life. Even if they were trying to destroy his life, he still thought of them over himself. He loved his neighbor. Do you see how the commandment, the commandment is not an order to perform. The commandment is a calling forth of something, right? It is a calling forth of life. Let there be life, right. right? And so the commandment was there to call something forth in people that they could see God is the father they need. To the degree they would put, be put to rest from their own labors to gather life to themselves. And when they wanted life, they would say, like I said in that write-up, Abba. I don't know how to work this life. I don't know how to get the life. I don't know how to understand this gospel. I just know I need life, (coughs) right? And instead of looking to their own devices for life, because I promise you, once you look to your own devices for life, guess who's being made merchandise of somewhere? Some person. Someone Someone is being trampled over. (coughs) Someone's emotions, someone's feelings, someone's life, someone's interest is being bulldozed. The moment you look to your own devices, even if that's not your intent. that's the, If Jesus would have been looking to preserve his own life, every single one of our lives would have been bulldozed. Mm. Every single one of our lives would have been lost into eternal destruction. Right? And so Jesus looked at the words of the law. You know, see, the, the nat- Paul would come and say, The natural mind can't understand the things of God. But yea, the spirit searcheth the deep things of God. So the natural mind could never understand what the law was saying. But Jesus wasn't born of a man. He wasn't born of the seed of a man. He came from a woman, but his father was God. The Holy Spirit gave birth to him inside of the womb of Mary. So he didn't come with the natural mind. He came with the spiritual mind. In the spiritual mind, yea, it searched the deep things of God. And when no one else could understand the law, and no one else could see the law spoke of God as father, Jesus read the law and saw that the law spoke of God being the father that he needs. And what happened was the result of that is it called forth something in him where he called God Father, right? It called it forth in him. He read what was written in the law, and it gave birth to something in him where he said, Abba, into your hands I commit my life. And in that same act, he loved his neighbor, that is, his sworn enemy, or those who swore themselves to be his enemy, right? Now, God doesn't leave us to get that right with our intellects. Because the whole post was a rejection of the intellect. The whole problem God had with the first covenant, which is when he let man out of Egypt by strength of his hand, is that man was still of the natural mind. So they couldn't see God was with them to be the father that they needed. So God realized, and the only way that man can actually find themselves persuaded that I'm the father that they need, is if I can get my Holy Spirit inside of them. And my Holy Spirit will bring that forth inside of them. Right, And that's what we see happening in the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses tells those people, you shall have one God, the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods than him. You shall not worship the works of your own hands. When you need peace, you shall not look at what you can gather to yourself to have peace. When you find you desire a wife and you feel like you don't have what you need if you don't have a wife, you shall not look to your neighbor's wife and go and steal her. <laughs> right? I'm just giving a funny example. Right? Because that, I mean, listen, if you're busy thinking you, you're going to look to your own strength to have life, you could see your neighbor's got a really nice wife. And the first thing you could think of is that dude looks real happy. <laughs> Maybe if I have his wife, I'll be happy like him. What do you think comes forth then? You're going to go kill that dude so you can take his wife. Isn't that what David thought about That's Bathsheba? Exactly
1: right. mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I mean, he saw Bathsheba and he thought, my goodness, her husband must be very happy. And what did he end up doing? Sent him to the front front line. Sent him to the front line so he could die and he could take his wife. Right? And so in the book of Deuteronomy, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. And so Moses had them write something on their arms so that it would always be before their eyes. And that they would always, every time they looked to their own hand, thinking their hand was the strength that could gather life to themselves, they would see on their hand not by strength of my hand, but by strength of God's hand. And they would find themselves looking unto the Father. You shall have one God, the Lord your God, you shall have no other God. That's basically what's written on their arm there. You shall have one God, the Lord your God, you shall not worship the works of your own hands. Oh, okay. That's right. Abba. Right? Well, the the that's just a type. The fulfillment of that is the Holy Spirit being poured out. We don't have, you don't see me walking around with something written on my arm telling me God's my father. You don't see me walking around with something on my, heart to, on my arm saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You don't see something written on my arm telling me, you shall not look to your own hand to try to gather peace and love and joy to yourself. You know why? Because it's been written on my heart. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in my heart. And just like the commandment was meant to call forth something in a person where they would call God Father, the Holy Spirit is in my heart and it's calling forth something in me where I see God as my Father which is what Romans 8 says that we have the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption is the spirit that does what? That leads us to the place where we do what? We call out Abba. Right. right? Right? That's the words of the law. The spirit of truth is the epitome of what the word that's contained in the law was. Jesus was the only one who could see it. That's that's perfect praise, that's perfect prayer, that's all of that. Right? It talks about when when Jesus I think it's in Hebrews when he talked about Jesus needing to be saved. And he looked to the one who could save him. said, I think the word supplication is used. That he was filled with crying and supplication. Well, what is supplication? It's entreating. And what it means is, is when he was suffering the death of the cross, and he wanted life, and he felt alone, and he felt confused, and he felt lost, and he felt like no one cared. I'm all alone. In a cold, heartless, little world. Right? I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? I mean, I don't know if you realize it, but at the bottom of all of our hurt in this world comes that thought. I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? And then we have all these different thoughts about what it is that would cause us to be loved or to experience that dynamic where we're loved. Right? Well, Jesus wanted that. And in that place, It says that he looked to the one who could save him with much crying and supplication, right? He was entreating to God. He was calling out to God. He was praying with the father about what was going on in his life. He was praying with the Father about all the hurt, all the suffering, all the hell that was coming against his life. You want comfort when hell comes against your life? Do you know what Jesus is teaching us? He's teaching us that the only thing that can comfort you when hell comes against your life is for you to connect with the Father about that hell. We don't do that typically. We internalize the hell, and then we devise a scheme to deliver ourselves from the hell. Exactly. We ought not feel shame about that right? That's kind of like a natural, I don't want to say natural, for the natural man, that's a natural response. And it actually takes the Holy Spirit to unwind the world's thinking in you for you to find yourself not doing that, right? But that's what Jesus is describing. He's praying with the Father. What was the request he had? I mean, when we pray to God, what's the request that we even have? Isn't it that we want the hell to go away? Yes. Isn't it that we want our life to be healed, to be made whole? Isn't it that we want the hell to go away from the people's lives that we love? Isn't it that we want the pain that's come against their lives to go away? Well, Jesus is a picture of that on the cross, and he's praying with the Father. And his prayer sounds like, into your hands I commit my life. His prayer sounds like Psalm 22, where he doesn't look to his own strength. He could have called down to John, go get Peter. Peter picked up a sword a little while ago. Go get Peter and the Zealots. Get them to get me down off this cross. Today's the day we take Rome. Mm-hmm. He could have done that, and you know what? He could have actually performed that. Yeah. He could have led a rebellion, the likes of which would make the 1776 look like nothing. But he didn't do that. He even said he could call down legions of angels. Legions of angels, he could have. But in that place, Psalm 22 reveals what he did. He was entreating with God. He was talking with God about the hell. If you see hell in your life, for me, I don't really care about the hell I see in my life. The thing that bothers me the most is the hell I see in other people's lives. And I have a bad tendency of picking up their hurt onto myself. <laughs> like I got to deliver him. So if you see hell coming against your life, or you see hell coming against the people in your life, Right? It's not that, well, what's the point of prayer now? We know God cares more than we do. It's entreating it's with God about our desire for their lives to be kept to the end that we see He is the keeper of life. Right? That's what it means to be filled with thanksgiving in your prayer and supplication. You're filled with thanksgiving because you see the one you're entreating to has the power to save and does save and has saved and shall save. And so you're connecting with that God, right? And you're connecting with him because you see. It says, Jesus looked to the one who could save him. He would, that's being filled with thanksgiving. Some of people don't understand what thanksgiving is. We sit around the table and we oh, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my wife. Glory to God. She's awesome. I love my wife. I'm very thankful for my wife. But the thanksgiving that the scriptures talk about, we see in Jesus when he cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my life. He was filled with thanksgiving, knowing this God can save, his heart is to save, and he will save, right? And so when it comes to our loved ones, It's not just that God will not suffer us to see corruption, and God will not leave our lives in the grave. But that's what we want to be in our hearts, when we're thinking of our loved ones as we're praying for them. We're connecting with God about the hell we see in their life. We're connecting with God about the fear we have that their life is being overcome, that their life is being circled around by the bulls of Bashan, by the death that's in this world, by the enemy that's in this world. And what we're doing is we're connecting with God because we see God can save, He desires to save, He does save, He shall save, He has saved. Right? And that's what we're doing with God. Mm. That's entreating with Him. That's our request. Right? right? I mean, even with Gracie. I know people can misunderstand the stuff I say because we all have our own hearts. But you know, when you message me about Gracie, I wouldn't pray for Gracie yeah. with tears and supplication. Right? Gracie's our dog for those
1: who mm. don't
0: know. And some people think, well, that's just a dog. So what, man? These people I love love that dog. You know what? I love that dog. Every time I come to that Bible study, that dog jumps up in my arms and is very happy to see me. And I talk like a baby with that dog. It's true. How do you feel about cats?
1: I actually
0: <laughs> like cats. She's got a cat. So just want to make it. I had a, uh, I had a, a white. Persian Himalayan cat that lived to be 18.
1: Wow.
0: special! And we would have that cat cut like a lion. And he was all white with blue eyes. And my my man knew he was something. When we cut him like a lion, just the feet and the tail. He walked in the head and hit, I don't know if you've seen a Persian Himalayan, but their hair is like out. So he had the, the mane of a lion. And he was boom. I swear that, that I mean... <laughs> that cat was not like a cat. That cat was like a person. Right?
1: I understand that. <laughs> but I
0: I had a request. The request was, let this destruction pass over Gracie. Right? Well, my heart was filled with thanksgiving, meaning I saw the one who can save. And I saw it's God who can save, who does save, who has saved, who shall save. And I began connecting with God about the hurt that I felt. And the hurt that y'all felt. And I began talking with God about my desire for this thing to pass over. Right? Mm-hmm. That was prayer and supplication. Right. right? I had a request. Like we talked about Wednesday night, though, where, where we get into trouble is if we live as if God hasn't already done something. Yeah. To preserve our lives. And we judge whether God will allow our life or our dog to see corruption based on what we see happen right there. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I'm not going to quote a scripture and tell you this is how it is. This is just how I see it, right? Um, There will be animals in the new heaven and the new earth. I don't say every animal that's ever existed will be raised up with the sons and daughters of God. But I do believe the animals that were belonging to the sons and daughters of God will be raised up with them, right? Because we have dominion. Over the earth and it says all of creation groans in travail desiring for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest Why are they desiring for us to be made manifest because our bodies were made from the dust of the ground right. And when our bodies are glorified with immortality like the Lord Jesus was when he was raised from the dead All of creation is going to have death completely removed for once for all time And all of creation groans in travail desiring for death to be removed You know why we have things like hurricanes because the earth is groaning it desires for life to come forth yeah. and in its groaning, in its shaking, there's hurricanes, there's earthquakes, there's all types of these things that come forth because it's desiring to be free from this body of death, just like human beings. And so my dogs, they're under my dominion, right? And those dogs, especially, the cats I had, I grew up with cats, but when we were in Colorado, the altitude all of a sudden caused me to have a horrible cat allergy. To where I couldn't breathe. Like, you talk about a massive asthma attack where you got to go to the hospital now. Are you going to die? And so poor Becky, she had two cats. I loved those cats. The saddest, you, normally when animals cause you pain, you hate those animals. But I loved those cats. And the saddest thing was when Simba, which was one of the big male cats, he would want to come get in my lap. Because he loved me. And he knew I loved him. And I'm suffering. And I can't breathe. That I, I would have, no. Have, and it broke my heart to do that. Yeah. Right? But yeah, that's that's just a side note of how I see the animal thing. But do you see the prayer and supplication? Yeah. What is our request? We desire good. We well, desire life. A, t- a twist on that is, uh, <clears throat> well, it'll, it'll
3: it will illustrate this way. I have a friend who was stating what, what I interpret to be pride, the fact that his son was praying for God to give him wisdom. And maybe it was in a business context or whatever. And I thought I've been thinking about that. And if is it bad to ask for wisdom? No. But what do you mean by wisdom? If you you know want a stock price, you know, quote, yeah. you know, yeah, no. It, it, the context is important. The wisdom of God. You know, Greg's been teaching us. You know, you can find everything. You you can find every answer by looking at the the uh, the birth, the death burial and the resurrection of christ looking at that you're going to find your answer well what you're describing to me is the wisdom of god the wisdom of god is trust me the wisdom of god is jesus trusting god as father that's the wisdom of god and actually i was thinking about this when i was cleaning a toilet yesterday sorry to paint that picture for you but i was just doing janitorial duties is what i meant to say (laughs) It's like, what is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is just summed up in the, fa- the son trusting the father. Mm-hmm. And what comes from that is all the fruit of the spirit. And what goes from that is all the bad things you want to get away from in terms mm-hmm. of the things that are fear and anxiety and confusion, those go. And what comes in is the joy. Is that not wisdom? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Christ <clears throat> the wisdom of God. Yeah, you know, we've turned Thanksgiving into, we must be thankful. Thanksgiving is you looking to God because you see yeah. He desires to say.
3: I wish that was another word for command because that's been hijacked in a way that your 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 carnal mind thinks that's for me to do something, as opposed to God
0: directing that something will come about. It's Him intending to bring yeah. something about. Yeah. The commandment is how He produces it, not how He tells you to produce exactly. it. The commandment is Him taking upon Himself. To produce the desire he has in his heart. God wants to be your God more than you want to have a God. Yeah. I promise you that. So when he gave the commandment, he's thinking of producing his desire. It says that he's a jealous God.
3: Yeah, so God says, uh, you shall love your neighbor. The conversation among the Trinity would be, more accurately from my perspective, let us cause
0: Job to love his neighbor. Yeah, and why would they do that? Because to use your language, family language, like Cindy posted today, family logic, why would they want you to love your neighbor? We've been looking at it from the perspective of we're an orphan in somebody else's house that doesn't really want us to be there. But if we'll behave properly, then they'll accept us being there. But the Father, Son, and Spirit do not look at us as orphans. And the reason why they even want to give birth to something where we can find ourselves loving our neighbor is because they sit there and say, the most blessed life there is. The most joyful life there is, is to feel love coming out of you towards someone else. Man, we want them to be able to know what this feels like because it's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that why you tell your friends about stuff? I mean, like, like Charlie, I, I, with the makeup stuff. Right? When you find something that you love, I mean, it gives you a buzz when you see it, right? You're like, oh, yeah. And then you want to tell people because you think this is awesome. Right? And that's how God felt. It's like this love we feel coming out of us is awesome, and we want them to be able to experience it, right? So then they set about to do something that can produce it in us or give birth to it in us. But the natural mind looks at the commandment, which is designed to call forth something in us by the hand of God. It looks at the commandment and says, we must love our neighbor. Instead of, man, it's a blessed life to find love born in our heart for our neighbor. And God has promised us he will produce it in our hearts. Abba. Yeah. Do you see what happens? If you find you don't love your neighbor, you just don't. And you're just honest with yourself. I don't like them. I, I wish they would go away. I, actually, you know what? I might hate them. Right? Well, in that place, if you knew God is Father, you would connect with Father. Your prayers and supplications would be with Father. Where you would be able to be honest and say, Father, I do not find myself loving them. Right. But your father and into my hand, I commit my desire for love. Right. Because you have promised to produce it. You shall have one God, the Lord, your God. You shall have no other gods other than him. If you think that you have to produce the love, you have another God other than the Lord, your God. Because in him being called God means he's the one that serves you with love. He's the one that produces the love. Right. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. It ain't talking about leaven or unleavened bread. That Your daily bread one day might be that you need to be set free from hatred and you need to be filled with love. That might be the bread you need that day. Well, who is it going to give you that bread? The father. And that's what it means to know God is father. I need love. I'm not going to look at it as if I must produce love because that's me worshiping the works of my own hands. I'm now going to look to the Father who has now promised to produce love in me and I'm going to commit my desire for love into his hands, right? You have one God, the Lord your God. You have no other gods other than him. Meanwhile, the whole Christian church has been built around worshiping the works of their own hands because we tell everybody that if they really are Christians, they would love. That's how, that's the voice of the serpent.
1: Which if you really
0: Christians. are the son... Turn the stones into bread, which actually produces hate. Absolutely. It produces hate. And that's why you see the large sections of American Christianity filled with hatred for, quote unquote, the people they decide are unbelievers. Right. That's why we have the hate parade every Mardi Gras. Right. I promise you, Jesus would not be leading a hate parade. Jesus would not be leading that parade in Mardi Gras hating on all the quote unquote sinners. Right. He wouldn't be. He would remove the hate parade, and then he would get it right to show those people that it's God who removes the hate parade. That's right. And then those people would be able to see the God that loves them even in their nakedness and their sin. And you know what they would find happen to them? They would be set free from their sin <laughs> because they would see God is with them to clothe them. Right.
2: good example of that is the pharisees and the woman caught in adultery
0: that is the perfect example of that that is the perfect example of that
4: but that commandment love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength with all your heart well when we understand what commandment is and that's something that's going to come forth in us how does that come forth it comes forth through through time it comes through forth through experience because if i have an experience where i'm depending on you for something just in our natural relationship i come to a place where i know i can go to you for that thing and if i know i can come to you for it why would i go to somebody else for it because what i've come to depend on has has taken a place in my heart when it's the same way with god as we as we have, as we come to see things that He's produced in our life, and we come to see the futility of when we try to bring it back about of our own strength, we come to a place where we love Him with all of our heart because we know He is the source of life, and we refuse to look anywhere else just because of the futility that we've experienced in going that direction. Exactly. Um, interesting verse in Romans, uh, Romans three. It says, "Do we then make void the law through faith?" God forbid, yeah, we establish the law. How are we establishing the law? Is that the commandments, we'll just talk about the 10 commandments. They're actually 10 promises of what your life with God will produce on the inside of you. You will not steal, you will not lie, you will not commit adultery. That, that's something that's produced on the inside of you. And I don't need a list of rules to follow for that to happen. Just in the course of the relationship, it's automatically going to be produced in me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the misconception
2: of that passage, too, is so burdensome, because I can remember when Lacey was three or four years old, she was just so filled with fear because she loved me more than God, and she'd already been taught at that age that that was not the way it was supposed to be,
1: mm-hmm. and she was terrified she mm-hmm. was going to go to hell.
3: all because of the way it gets presented.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Y'all have heard me quote Nick several times on this. Uh, you don't have to understand the truth for it to work in you, yes.
1: right? And
3: that's something else that was, I think, embedded in that passage that uh, Greg posted on Facebook, which is kind of a relief, um, because you don't have the ability to figure it out. <laughs> you know? The, it's tempting to. My pattern is to let me get all my doctrinal ducks in a row, so I can make sure your yours line up with mine. and, and I'm gonna fix you. and when you're free of that, understanding actually does come.
0: And if we knew the Spirit in the Scriptures throughout all the Scriptures, the Spirit is what gives shape and form. So the Spirit will sort it out in you, right? All God's trying to do is get you to come sit by the campfire. Yeah, except he's not telling ghost stories, right? He, ghost he's ghost not telling story. ghost yeah. stories. He's telling Holy Ghost stories. Yeah, <laughs> people are smarter than me. Okay. The people that's are not, hard. God is trying to gather through the camp, like we're doing here. The spirit is sorting things out, yes. right? Apart from your intellect. Can your intellect also be stimulated and have a good laugh and think that's clever and think this is cool? Absolutely. But the power of sitting in a gathering like this where the Lord is being put on display is the Holy Spirit is giving shape or form to your innermost thoughts and your innermost persuasion, your inner heart without you even understanding that they're doing that. Right? The spirit is hovering right in this room and connecting with the spirit in your heart. And and really what God would have said to Lacey, right, is that you don't love you don't really love your mom more than me. You see something in your mom that reminds you of me and it's just easier for you to see me in her right now and it's a blessed thing right and see then she
1: uh
0: uh, uh, the heaviness would have been gone but then she would have started to know God and what she was experiencing instead of thinking she was uh a God hater right or uh, the antithesis of God right because there's a reason why she was seeing God in you Right. And you can listen. God himself saw that we couldn't know him. And so he came in the flesh and showed himself to us. Right. So we ought not be surprised if people see God in us sometimes. And it's not that they're going to worship us, but many times until they grow into a a maturity, they can experience God through their interactions with us. Right. if, If it's just pointed to. Like Jesus, good master. They were experiencing something with Jesus where they thought, my goodness. Well, Jesus wanted to make sure they knew whatever you see in me that's beautiful, it's God. Right? And so they could know, I'm connecting with God. Right? Paul come and said, it's through Jesus, ye do have faith in God. Right? And so Lacey could have just had that explanation, and she could have been filled with joy and enjoyed all of it. Oh, I'm so close to God, it's wonderful. Oh, my mom is wonderful, it's also wonderful, right? Joy upon joy. <laughs> joy upon joy. Joy upon joy.
1: I'm
2: sure whatever I said did it help. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it
1: off, Lacey.
0: <laughs> well, the, you did the best you could. Yeah, that's right. Right? And I you could you commit your desire for Lacey's life and for her to be set free into the hands of God. Which is the entreating with God, the the prayer. supplication right the prayer and supplication does that make any sense the one God the Lord your God I know there's a listen I could just scrap the theological terms when I go out in the streets I don't talk about the theological terms when we moved here and I wouldn't I would go to New Orleans and play basketball in the inner city with all the people on the streets and all the gang members I did not talk about, you shall have one God, the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods other than him. you know what I talked about? I talked about Master P because they all know Master P and they all revere Master P. And I talked about the No Limit Soldiers because that meant something to them. And all those kids grew up in a city where by the age of 18, all their contemporaries had a 50% chance of being dead. And so Master P called himself a No Limit Soldier. And the whole slogan was, We True Soldiers. We don't die. We keep rolling. Na 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 na. So the whole point was we've cheated death. We come from a place where it's a coin flip, whether we're gonna die or not. And here we are. And it's like a mantra to those people. So I don't come quoting the commandment to them. I come talking about Jesus as the original no women soldier. He keep rolling. He don't die. Right? Na nah, nah. And they boom. Their eyes got big. All of a sudden, they understood why a resurrection. Why the resurrection of the dead. And all of a sudden, that connected to a deep place in their heart where death is a heavy cloud in their communities. Surviving death is a heavy cloud and something to be esteemed. I consider this man, Jesus, who not only overcame a death in this world to live long in this world, but he overcome death. right and then they started clowning me the rest of the time preacher man (laughs) preacher man plays ball and he knows master (laughs) p preacher man's a true no-limit soldier (laughs) all you do it's like a ripple it's like a domino here i am some bald-headed white guy right that comes in there well for a second they hate you but then they say you can dribble the basketball. And so now you're in a little bit, right? And then after you dribble the basketball, you you start connecting. Well, I love Master P. Right? Mystical. I quote all that stuff to y'all. Right? And then you got their ear. He knows. And then you tell them about the Lord Jesus. The original no women soldier. I said the only reason why Master P could even say that is because Jesus said it when he came out of the grave. Mm. <laughs> I said imagine a world where no one comes out of the grave where everyone ends up dead. This man, Jesus, even came out of the grave, Mm -hmm. never to die again. I said, Master P, to use Thomas's, he's going to die one day. I said, Master P maybe made it out of the hood, but he's going to die one day, right? Well, Jesus, he didn't make it out of the hood the way we think of it. He didn't avoid the death that was in the world, and he still overcame it, never to die again. That's what we're after. That's why you love Master P. That's why you think it's great to not die, right? You see that? Yeah. So listen, guys, when we're quoting verses, the verses are good. I quote the verses a lot because people have a long history of reading the scriptures and misunderstanding it. And I want people to begin to just see the beauty that we're describing in that Facebook post. Or like the post that Cindy made about family logic, right? So many people have these jacked up views of what these verses mean that it's a big stumbling block to them knowing the simple truth that God's your father, right? And he wants you to commit your desire for life into his hands. If you think you're not holy and you think God desires you to be holy, you have one God, the Lord your God. Commit your desire for holiness into the hands of the father. Don't try to persuade yourself you are holy, even though you are holy, because if the lump is holy or the, the root is holy, so is the lump. Right, And so in that you're joined together with the Lord, you're one body with the Lord and you are holy. But in the day you find yourself struggling with that. Listen, if God's your God, you're looking for him to produce it in you. You're not looking to your own strength. You're not thinking God demands for you to be holy. You're not thinking God demands for you to live righteously. You're not thinking God demands for you to make him Lord of your life. He is Lord. Yes. And he come to show you about his lordship. And the way he shows you his lordship isn't by telling you, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to smite you. He shows you his lordship by disrespecting death right in front of your face. And, you, and all of a sudden you're like, if this dude can even smite death, then he can do anything. And you find yourself looking to him for everything, right? Amen. You have one God, the Lord your God. You won't have any other gods, yeah. Right. And that's what it means to cast
3: your cares upon jesus yeah Yeah. the that gets uh reversed when you teach people essentially thou shalt cast your cares on jesus and then they try to go to them in 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 an exercise not knowing you know that not knowing what you've just described that actually an outcome of being exposed to god's love is that you Cast your cares on Jesus? As opposed to going through your little prayer closet. Step one, be quiet. Step two, think about uh, your memory verse. Step three, oh, it's time to cast my cares on Jesus now. (laughs) It's very robotic. You're taking care to cast
0: (laughs) your cares. Exactly. It's very robotic. Sadly, most people's relationship with God has become very mechanical and robotic, instead of intimate personal the way you would talk with your friend and free yeah. well absolutely yeah. you speak freely with your friends you and i have spoke freely with each other nick witnessed this right and to a person that doesn't understand we love each other they could be intimidated by some of the places you and i might go right in the midst of a conversation because we have an unconcealed heart with each other in case anybody's wondering we should say the topic
3: was uh, bitcoin <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, and now we'll argue about that. Oh, okay. You're thinking about something. Because, no, no, no. No, we were. You, you're right. You're, you are correct, actually. The topic was Bitcoin, but we were arguing about inflation. Okay. Well, oh, that's that's a topic. Topic. Thanks. Yeah. But Nick's sitting in the middle there thinking, oh, man, I thought these guys liked each other. <laughs> Literally
3: in the middle. Yeah. On he's a car ride. He's, he's,
0: try, he's trying to, to bring the peace. But the whole point is that, that intimacy. That intimacy. Jesus didn't think the Father was ashamed to find him stripped naked and nailed to a tree. Jesus didn't think the Father was ashamed to see him with the sin of the world on him. Jesus didn't think the Father's face was hid from him. Jesus didn't think any of that. And so it brought forth a supplication in his heart towards the Father, a prayer, right? Where he entreated the Father with his request, right? Mm -hmm. With his desire. For goodness, and not with just his desire for his own goodness, for our goodness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see how he was entreating for all of us? Prayer and supplication. He saw the hell that was coming against our lives. And he connected with the God who desires to save us from hell. Right? And I don't mean Dante's Inferno. When I say hell, I mean like, you know, you experience hell sometimes. Death, tribulation. And and therein lies what it means to be pure in heart. You know, because I'm listening to that song all the time. I can't get enough of it. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. The pure in heart are those in whom the name of the Lord has been sanctified in their heart. The pure in heart are those who simplistically see God as their father. That God can do them no harm. That God is set apart unto serving them with life. He set apart unto being good to them. He set apart unto caring for them. He set apart unto destroying everything that tries to destroy their life. He set apart unto preferring them over himself. Those are the pure in heart. They see there is no sin or death in God. They see there's no darkness in God. That's how you see God. You can't see God, really, if you think there's darkness in God. You can't see God, really, if you think that guy possesses the ability to harm your life. You're seeing something else. It ain't God, right? Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus connected with the Father, because he saw God. His heart had been purified by the word in the law and the prophets concerning God, as Father. And so his heart was pure. There was no spots or blemishes on the image of the Father. And so that's really what a pure heart means. The Father is not a caricature in your heart. The Father doesn't have spots and blemishes in your heart. You see the Father and the goodness and the loving kindness that's in his heart for you, right? When Jesus would go and say, go and learn that God desires mercy and not judgment, right? The pure in heart see that God's desire is to be merciful, not to punish. Those are the pure in heart. Jesus was the pure in heart in the account of the woman caught in the act of adultery. He saw that God wasn't the one accusing her. He saw God wasn't the one punishing her. He saw God wasn't the one that demanded for her to be put to death. He saw God was the justifier. God was the healer. God was the one that was her advocate. He was the pure in heart, right? And you know what? She saw God, <laughs> right? And now her heart could be purified. Mo, I was
5: just going to say, I was right. Dr- Yesterday, Marie went to a party without me. I was really upset about
1: that. And, uh, so I said, that's it. I'm going to the health club.
5: So I went to the he, health club. You he got her back. You
1: <laughs> said, <laughs> 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 Oh, you got her back. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I leave the health
5: club and I'm going back home. And I'm driving. And this crazy thought goes through my mind. Because just in general, I'm, you know, pretty happy person, like you know, because of my relationship with the Lord. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, if somebody asked me, Maurice, how is your relationship with the Lord? The answer to that came to me almost like immediately. I would say that my relationship with the Lord is absolutely perfect. And somebody said, well, wait a minute. Uh, You're not doing this, and you're doing this, and and you're going to say that your relationship with God is perfect. And in my heart, in my mind, it kind of came to me that my relationship with the Lord has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me whatsoever. It has to do with the one whose heart and mind is perfect towards me. And when you look at a God whose heart and mind is perfect toward you and it has nothing to do with me, all of a sudden you realize that that relationship is perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you can begin operating from the reality that your relationship with God is perfect. And listen, there ain't no better place to be in life than that. Because the way he views us is if we, for by one sacrifice, he had perfected forever them that are sanctified.
0: In the and the sacrifice, go yes. ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. The sacrifice is himself. Amen. Amen. That's this I mean. is my body, broken for you. Amen. By him offering himself, he has perfected us once for all time. Right, yeah. some might lay down their life for a godly person or for a righteous person or for someone that's good, but God has demonstrated His love for you mm-hmm. in that He gave His own body up to be broken to perfect you from death. And then
5: after that, I left, I wasn't mad at Marina.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's tough to be mad after that. Glory to God, y'all are awesome. <laughs>